It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. And welcome, my friends, to your Saturday morning, a radio extravaganza here on WABC. If you would like to be part of the program, 800-848-WABC is how you reach us, 800-848-9222. We have quite a bit, as you might imagine, to discuss this morning, as all mornings. And you heard Noam cover some of the stories that we're going to touch on, of course, in Maine. The shooter, as I said, was one of the possibilities that would happen earlier in the week that they would, he would kill himself. We've seen this pattern. We've seen this pattern before, haven't we? And not only have we seen this pattern before, we've seen what is taking place in political circles before. We've seen what is taking place in social media before when anything like this happens. <sighs> the victims, 18 of them, have all been identified. What the as You heard Noam say this, the age range. The youngest was a 14-year-old teenager. The families are speaking out, expressing relief that they are not going to have to sit through a lengthy trial for Robert Carden, perhaps see him put away and would have been put away because of mental illness. And I'm going to talk about mental illness. We've talked about it in the past. There are some other stories today that point exactly, exactly to how deeply mental illness is affecting people in many aspects of life in this country with fatal results. The governor of the state, Janet Mills, at a press conference, said that like many people, she's breathing a sigh of relief knowing that Robert Card is no longer a threat anymore. Now is the time to heal, she said. With this search concluded, I know that law enforcement continues to fully investigate all the facts so we can bring what closure we can to the victims and their families. Well, one of the things that needs to be addressed is why a person who was confined recently for mental illness, had access to weapons. And police did find more weapons at his home, at one of the properties. They had also done searches of some of the parents' properties. And the parents, by the way, cooperated fully with law enforcement. Authorities had found a note in his home indicating that he did plan to take his own life before police found them. Just in the summer, this past summer, he spent two weeks at a mental health facility. 
discharged. And apparently no one, which is the problem with these laws, you pass these laws, okay, background check. If a person's mentally ill, they can't have a weapon or have access to these kind of weapons, especially if they've, as Mr. Carr did in the past, indicated that he wanted to shoot people. So we have all this faith in government. Government can do this. Government can do this. Right now, one of the things I'm going to segue into talking about, oh, those of you looking for Derek Hunter, Derek has some uh, family obligations this weekend and won't be with us today. But one of the things that many people have who have all this faith in government continue to say is we need more laws. We need more laws. You see it everywhere. We need more laws. Gavin Newsom, before the bodies were even identified, was railing against the state of Maine for what he considered to be loose gun control laws, as if Incidents don't happen in his state every single day concerning guns. Every day. But he felt the need to go out and make this statement condemning the people of Maine. So it gets tiring after a while. Stephen King flaming liberal has an article i think it's in the, either the new york it's in the, either the new york times or the uh, amazon prime washington post today and it's a very short piece and it said there's no words left we've said everything that can be said about all of this but there are plenty to be said there's plenty to be said and it's being said and the segue i was talking about was into the remarks that the new Speaker of the House made about it. He was on with Hannity the other night. And Mike Johnson, when asked about demands for more gun control laws or legislation, said, the problem is the human heart. It's not guns. It's not the weapons. At the end of the day, we have to protect the right of citizens to protect themselves, and that's the Second Amendment. And he is under fire. For those remarks, he's under fire from the White House. He's under fire from every liberal columnist you can imagine, including Joe Scarborough, who remains one of the biggest disappointments in the political landscape. I met Scarborough when he was a young freshman coming into the House of Representatives, conservative guy. He's over at PMSNBC and turns into this liberal that is just flaming with his disdain for conservatives. Story today, where is it? And Yahoo, Joe Scarborough delivers blistering takedown of Mike Johnson's gun logic. You see the same headlines, same sort of headlines over at Politico. White House hits Johnson over claiming gun violence was a matter of the heart. 
So I'm going to spend some time with that this morning. And, of course, events over in Israel are unfolding. There are boots on the ground this morning. Israel has now committed its troops into Gaza. There are boots on the ground. There is fighting on the ground as well as the tanks, the artillery. Israel delivered their own version of shock and awe to Gaza. And you heard some reports. Noam talked about this at the top of the hour. The UN, that sad collection of nation states that calls themselves the United Nations, demanding, many of the nations demanding a ceasefire. They join hundreds of thousands across the country of students. I don't know whether you've seen pictures of what happened over at Tulane University, the latest. There are so many of these universities now that are just over the top with their disdain for Israel and the protests that are being held there and the disdain that they have for the Jewish students that are attending these schools. It's it's chilling and stunning to watch. Headline from Associated Press this morning, Palestinians plead stop the bombs at UN meeting, but Israel insists Hamas must be obliterated. And why is Israel assisting that, insisting that? Because every time Israel is attacked, we see the same pattern, we see the same narrative, that Israel must not be heavy-handed. In the Biden administration, has been, there was a story today, and I don't remember which, I don't, I didn't print this one out, uh, a story today that the Biden administration is actively trying to get Israel to back off. Reconsider their plans for the total obliteration of Hamas in the Gaza Strip. From the United Nations, this is an Associated Press story, stop the bomb and save lives, the Palestinian ambassador pleaded at an emotional UN meeting. That took place the day before yesterday. But Israel's envoy to the UN was adamant. He said, we're not, we will not rest until Hamas is obliterated. 193 nations in the General Assembly, and only 14, I believe, I don't have that in front of me, but I believe it was 14 nations, including the United States, were the only ones to say, listen, we give Israel full our full support. At least that's what's being said at the UN. Now, what's being said at the White House contradicts that. They're mouthing those words while quietly telling Israel, back off. Now, the Israel ambassador to the United Nations, Gilhad Erdin, told the UN 193-member world body a ceasefire means giving Hamas time to rearm itself so they can massacre us again. 
And he went on to quote Hamas statements, vowing to destroy Israel, vowing to destroy the Jewish people. Any call for a ceasefire is not an attempted peace. He said it is an attempt to tie Israel's hand, preventing us from eliminating a huge threat to our citizens. AP goes on to report that the calls for a ceasefire, the protection of Palestinian civilians uh, facing constant Israeli bombardments in Gaza, the delivery of desperately needed food, water, medicine, and fuel, were often passionate and intense from nearly a dozen countries or the representatives from a dozen countries that spoke up. They say while Hamas attacks killed some 1,400 Israelis, more than 7,000 Palestinians have been killed in Israel's retaliatory strikes, according to Gaza Health Ministry, which is the same bunch that told us and told the world that Israel had bombed the hospital there and killed 500 people when In fact, it was the rockets malfunctioning that Gaza was trying, that, that, that the Hamas terror organization was directing in toward Israel. One of their, one of their own missiles failed and hit this hospital. They still have not taken the blame for it. They still have not admitted that it was them that did it, not the Israelis. And you still have the United States members of the squad who refused to believe that Israel was innocent of that act. Iran is saying that they want to be involved in helping to get the hostages out. I am not an expert in the history of Iran. Iran's involvement in all of this, however, is clear to anyone who wants to look. In fact, there was a meeting earlier in the week and a photo op with one of the Hamas leaders, one of the leaders from Hezbollah, and with the current Ayatollah in Iran. It has long been known that Iran is the number one nation on earth responsible for funding terrorism. They are the number one state sponsor of terrorism. That has been widely known. It is also a fact that both the Obama administration and the Biden administration have sent overtures in terms of American dollars to Iran. The administration will argue that on this last $6 billion. They'll say, oh, no, those weren't American dollars. That was money that belonged to Iran. It was being held in Korea, South Korea. We just facilitated it getting back to Iran. Nonetheless, it is America's involvement that has helped fuel Iran's ambitions.
And we have been in a cold war with Iran since the late 1970s with Jimmy Carter. I remember as a very young producer at WABC Radio when it was at 1330 Avenue of the Americas in the ABC building. CBS Black Rock was right across the street from us. We were the ABC, NBC. It was all the three networks were within a few, the big networks, ABC, NBC, and CBS had their headquarters within a few blocks of each other. NBC, big rainbow room. You could look out and see that building. Black Rock was right across the street. That beautiful black slate building put up by William Paley. And I used to come out for lunch, 53rd Street, 6th Avenue. And there would be many times, especially in the summer months, protesters, a small group of protesters. And those of you old enough will remember being on New York subways and perhaps remember this. I remember these people used to come through. They had pictures of people in Iran, and they kept saying and kept asking people, please get involved, please stop the killing in Iran. And what they were talking about was the Shah of Iran, and these people were protesting the butchering of their own people and asking the United States, please get involved, because we were supporting the Shah of Iran. Now, again, I'm going to say I am not an expert in geopolitics on Iran. I have not studied the history as fluently as many people. We may have an expert somewhere in this audience that can explain all of this. But I remember thinking even then, what's going on in Iran? And you look. And, of course, when the Shah of Iran was taken sick on his deathbed, Jimmy Carter helped to shelter him from the wrath of the Iranian people when there was unrest as the Shah's reign was coming to an end, his bloody reign was coming to an end. And Jimmy Carter actually welcomed in the Ayatollah, who then took Americans hostages. They claimed at first that, and I was talking with Louis Gomert about this recently on a podcast that we did here, they claimed that it was the students at first, they gave themselves cover, and when they got no reaction from the United States saying, we're going to come in there and get everybody out and take this, then they just said, oh, okay. The government then claimed responsibility for the hostages and held them, as you remember, held them until the day that Ronald Reagan was elected because they knew Ronald Reagan wasn't going to play their game, and Ronald Reagan had <clears throat> already threatened American force would be used to free them. But ever since the late 70s, we have been in a Cold War with Iran. Iran was responsible for the death of American military members in Iraq. They supplied the IEDs that were used to kill and maim American soldiers. Iran has had one objective, two objectives. One, death to Israel. The other, death to America. 
yet it festers. And now Israel is tired of the festering. They have suffered a massacre. And they know Iran is involved. We all know Iran is involved. But the immediate problem is Hamas. And they are going to take out Hamas no matter what. And these protests are going to continue here. I bet the protests will intensify now that Israel has boots on the ground. But none of this can be avoided. And eventually, ladies and gentlemen, eventually, somewhere down the road, Iran is going to have to be dealt with. And if they're not, this is going to continue. These sorts of things. They are not going to give up. Even when Israel obliterates Hamas, Hezbollah stood out there, and, and Iran is threatening to become involved. I welcome your calls. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. At 1989, Janet Jackson, four weeks at number one with the album Rhythm Nation 1814. That album, one of only three to produce seven top ten singles. The other, of course, was from her brother's Thrillers album. And the third one, Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA. Jenna Jackson on WABC Talk Radio 77. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC. On 77 WABC. 1972. Stevie releases this one, his 15th studio album, the album Talking Book. The first single. This album earned Stevie, I think it was either four or five Grammys. His first Grammys. And those of you Stevie fans know that this came after the Music of My Mind album. And the Music of My Mind album to me is always going to be a seminal album in music. It was the first time 
that a lot of people were exposed to the synthesizer. Steve used uh, Stevie used uh, the Moog synthesizer on that one, and it was a brilliant album. And to me, there are three albums where you can see Stevie's growth from the kind of formulaic Motown artist doing Motown kind of formula songs into this artist where he completely blossomed with his own style, his own personality, his own imprint. And that was the where I'm coming from. And then music of my mind with the synthesizers. And then this one. This album has a lot of Jeff Beck, uh, Jeff Beck on it. Playing guitar. Stevie on WABC Talk Radio 77. We have some calls. And I'm going to take more calls today. And so if you want to uh, participate in the show, by all means, give us a call. 800-848-WABC. And let us get started with Adam, my man, Adam from Mineola. How are you this morning, Adam? Good morning, sir. Um, Good morning, Adam. I, wanted to, I just wanted to say about that, this, the guy that killed the people in Maine, you know, he was a coward. He killed himself, you know. Uh, you know, that mental illness, you know, he, he wasn't mental illness before he did that, you know. Yes, he was, and, actually. Uh, he was well, he was held in he was held Adam seriously he was held he was committed for for a few months back in the summertime suffering from mental illness uh, the diagnosis that I have read in some of the news stories is that he was suffering from schizophrenia and so yes and if, and you if you have studied mental illness you know that schizophrenia if that's true it's not something that you just take a pill for and it goes away. These are often years-long, lifelong, sometimes lifetime battles to restore a person's sanity uh, if if they are ever going to be cured. So, yeah, he was mentally ill, Adam. Okay. Uh, that's no excuse to kill 18 people, though, I tell you. No. I, I, come on, Adam, you know, I feel, I, feel, I feel you on that. I know we all say, but, but Adam... You are, despite the fact that you are liberal, you're sane. You're act, you, so you look at things from this rational sanity that you have, and, and all of us, when we say, okay, that's no excuse. Well, you're thinking that from a, with a sane mind. You are not suffering from mental illness. Now, you may be suffering from socialist, socialist grandeur, but that's not uh, uh, that's not the kind of mental illness we're talking about here. This is serious stuff. Adam, I have some other stories here, and let me run. Let me. I'm not going to get into detail with them, but I just let me just run the headlines of them by you, okay? There was a 28 year old nurse. She was in Ohio. She committed suicide. She left a troubling letter behind to her abuser. Her abuser was the U.S. health care system. She worked in a hospital emergency room. 
She wrote a letter on the way out, a letter to my abuser, which was published by the Oakwood Register. And one of the messages from her father was, you're reading this now because Tristan's story needs to be told. We need to take action. Our nation's health care system is broken. It broke our girl. Her passion for nursing had turned into a nightmare. She was in trouble. Nurses are in trouble. And it went along with all the things that drove this woman to suicide. Now, she was not rational at the time she committed suicide. And she could have just, and she couldn't. We could all look from the outside and say that she could have left. There's another story today. Young mom found dead days after being arrested for repeatedly calling 911, begging for help. A young Oklahoma mother found dead on the Mississippi River days after she was arrested for repeatedly calling 911, pleading, begging, somebody help me, help. She said she was, she was scared and she was having, um, she was having horrible panic attacks. She asked to be taken to the psych ward. She was arrested for calling 911 to beg for help. They found her dead later. There's another story, Adam. This one's in the Daily Mail. You can find this story. Chilling 911 call made by Florida teen Derek Rosa, accused of stabbing his mom multiple times to death in front of his newborn sister, says he took pictures and sent them to friends. He stabbed his mother to death, called 911, told them what he did, and he took pictures. And he asked at the end of this, he said, as he's telling the, the uh, dispatcher at 911, what happens? He said, I took pictures, and I told my friends about it. Is that bad? She's dead, miss. There's blood all over the floor. He said, right now I have a gun with me. I was going to shoot myself, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to. There's a knife in my bedroom. There's a gun in the living room. He stayed on the line with the dispatcher 18 minutes before they came and arrested him. Now, by all accounts, this had been a normal kid. He snapped. Something went wrong. I'm telling you, Adam, there is something going on in the mental health of so many people in this country, and it is being ignored. And we're not committed as a nation to addressing people that are mentally ill. What do you have to say about that, Adam? Well, we better start doing it, bro. I mean, you know, that's some serious stuff that you're talking about today. And, um, you know, I, 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 we, we can't turn our backs. And, 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 and uh, we, we got to get involved with people's lives, man. That's, that's really what we got to do, man. You know, I feel bad about that. Yeah, it is. <clears throat> and, Adam, we are turning our backs as a nation to this. We are turning our backs. And every day we see more and more and more. I could, every day, Adam, I could bring you at least 10 stories like this if I spent the day collecting from around the country in every single locale, because most of them don't even make national headlines. 
Most of them are just reported locally. We have got wow. to. If we are ever gonna if we are ever, ever going to start straight Adam, look at it. Look at everything. Look at all these connections we have. You have all these kids now. You have doctors mutilating children because the children are not happy with who they are. I'm a boy, but I want to be a girl. And then you have adults who are supposed to be the responsible agents in society saying, you know, that boy wants to be a girl. Let me take him to a doctor. The doctor does it. There are no checks and balances here that say, hey, wait a minute. We're dealing with a mental problem here that needs to be addressed. Instead, what did we do? Let's pull out a knife and let's cut this kid up. And that'll make the kid happy. Adam, we're in serious trouble in this country. I agree. <sighs> I agree. Thank you, my friend. We've got to take a break. Adam, glad you called. Glad we had a chance to talk for more than a minute today. WABC Talk Radio 77, James Golden Snurley with you here. Yes, the Joy Division love will tear us apart on WABC. Coming back, your calls, 800-848-WABC. Don't go away. Saturday morning, radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Birthday today, heavenly birthday for Wayne Fontana. He gave the world this one. A groovy kind of love. Nineteen sixty-five. It went to number one. On WABC Talk Radio seventy-seven, James Golden Boston early with you. It is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Princess Di will be along with us later. And again, if you want to be part of the program, all lines are full right now, but you can uh, give us a call. If someone drops out, just give us a call, 800-848-WABC. Let us go to Sandra in New Jersey. Thank you for waiting, Sandra, and good morning. Oh, good, good morning. I always look forward to Saturday because I could speak a little longer to my favorite person, James. You know, I want to say the uh, shooting was a very sad thing, and I'm glad that he's no longer with us. But, you know, I thought about the victims in the bowling alley. Do you know there were several people that were deaf? They didn't even have a chance because they didn't even hear what was going on. And then there was a little 10-year-old boy that also died in this horrible thing. But this is what I want to say. I want to say now that mental illness is not going to get better, James. It's going to get worse because think of all the drugs that are out there that people use, they self-medicate. They don't even know what they're doing, many of them. And and, and drugs is not going to help mental illness. It's going to only make it worse. So 
my husband, he, he goes shooting and he goes to a range and he took courses and he takes it seriously. And he really, really is very careful. And I always said, never, never do anything out of that range. Like don't shoot animals. If you do, a marriage is over. That's how I feel about guns. But I want to say that I was with a friend and one, one evening we were at dinner, she takes a little gun out of her pocketbook to show me. It was tiny. It was half the size of my palm and it was beautiful. It was silver and gold and very pretty. And I just never could forget that image in my mind. And the other wow. day I couldn't. And then, yeah. And then also I want to say I did go shooting with my husband one time in the range and I hated it. I felt like I was in a war zone with all the guns. It was loud, unpleasant. So I said, you know, I'm going to wait outside. And I took my earbuds, put on WABC, and I was just happy sitting outside listening to the radio instead. But I changed my mind. I said, you know, I think I'd like to uh, get a little pistol. And he said, well, you want a pistol? You have to go for lessons. You have to take courses. You have to get two permits. But I am thinking about that because... Uh, I'm becoming afraid. And, and if I ever, ever had to hurt anyone, which I never would, I would shoot them in the leg just to stop them so I could run no, away. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Because one of the first things you're going to learn in training is that you have to shoot for the biggest mass of the body. Oh. If you're going to stop somebody. If you're going, if you're going to stop somebody. It's not that easy to shoot someone. And even for experts, it's not so easy to just pick a narrow part of the body like a leg and shoot somebody. This is just the sad realities of owning a gun. You have to shoot for the biggest mass in the body if you want to stop them, if, they, mm-hmm. if your life is threatened. And that's one of the things that you will learn in training. But the fact that you are now considering getting a gun, you are where many Americans are. There was a story in the New York Times earlier in the week, and I have it. I can pull it out from my huge stack of news that I wasn't unable to get to. And it deals with a lot of the um, members of the Jewish community who had never considered gun ownership in the United States. But now, after they're witnessing what is happening on these college campuses, what happened last night, people trying to get home from Grand Central Station had to find other ways to get home because the protest there, the pro-Palestinian protest, had stopped a lot of the uh, regular commuting traffic. And there were a lot of arrests made in Grand Central. Noam covered that at the top of the, uh, top of the hour. And I have a story about it here, too, that was in the New York Daily News. 200 arrests. And a lot of people are looking at this. A lot of people are seeing. These students that were trapped at, at, at Cooper Union, and you look at what happened at Tulane, there are stories today about um, uh, some of the, the protests that are turning more or threatening to be more violent, and or you look at this hatred that is being spewed for Jewish students and for Jewish people in many places in this country. It's appalling. And there are a lot of people, Sandra, that are saying, you know what? Maybe I better, maybe I better figure out how I can defend myself. Not to mention, not to mention what is happening in blue cities all over America because of these Soros-funded prosecutors who refuse to put criminals behind bars, who let them out 
to prey on innocent people. We are in a spiral, and it's not a good spiral. So a lot of people, Sandra, are thinking what you're thinking. Maybe it's time I get a weapon to protect myself. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Sad state of affairs. It sure is. But I'm so happy you called, and I'm glad that you listen to us every week. Thank you, Sandra. Appreciate your call. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, here with you. It's Saturday morning. It's our radio extravaganza. Now, you know, Tony Orlando and Dawn, you know, the and Dawn. Well, one of the singers with Dawn, Candida, has a birthday today. So we thought we'd play a little Tony Orlando and Dawn for you this morning. James Golden Snurdly. Here on WABC. And we're coming back. Do not go away. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. I should have reminded you that Tony Orlando is here with us every week. He's one of our own here at WABC. And Thelma Hopkins is the singer from Dawn. The song, of course, was Candida. Now, Jerry and Lee Lewis, on this day in 2022, ended his run. 87 years old when he died in 2022. And this is, of course, one of his biggest hits. Whole lot of shaking going on, Jerry Lewis on W. Jerry Lee Lewis. It was a very different America when this was all going on. I remember, you know, of course, the thing that the first thing I think of with Jerry Lee Lewis is the young lady, his cousin. But I was I was explaining to somebody I think on the show a few weeks ago that wasn't all that uncommon then. Back then, and, and, and when he was coming up, 14-year-olds got married. It wasn't like it is today. Let us head back to the telephones. We're going to do, in the next hour, by the way, I'm going to go into detail with this business with the new Speaker of the House. And I wonder if those of you who have been following Mike Johnson, anybody that saw the interview he did with Hannity or you've read about it or whatever, what you thought about it, human hearts. Asked about more gun laws. At the end of the day, it's the problem. The problem is the human heart. It's not guns. It's not weapons. At the end of the day, we have to protect the right of citizens to protect themselves. We just got through talking with Sandra about that. And that's the Second Amendment. And the new Speaker of the House is being pilloried for that remark. He's also being pilloried by the left for his religious beliefs concerning same-sex marriage from 15 years ago. And they're raising all that now to try to scare the left. There was an amazing article in The Guardian about how we should be all fearful, fearful of Mike Johnson. I am not fearful at all of Mike Johnson. Mike Johnson is a breath of fresh air to me. He's a guy who is 
very, very committed to his religious beliefs, their spiritual beliefs, and unafraid to talk about it in the public square. He's also a very nice guy. He's also intent on getting things straight in Congress. Already they passed one uh, bill. He's he's saying already they're going to, look, we're going to do another CR. We may have to do two. But we're going to get things straightened out with this funding of the government. So we can talk about the Speaker of the House. I'm going to spend some time with that one, but I want to get back to calls that are holding here. And let's talk with Alice in Queens. Alice, thank you for hey, waiting. Thank you, you for fine. holding. Thank you. Very um, well. Uh, hey, going to Iran, remember that under the Shah, Iran was basically a secular government. And the Shah gave a lot of rights to women, which the Ayatollahs didn't like. And all the Iranian students who were here, down with the Shah, down with the Shah, well, when a lot of them went back to Iran, they were in for a big shock when they found that the, that the Ayatollah has a morality uh, police. And you cannot drink wine. You got whipped for that. And they executed gays. So, I mean, well, as the Shah, with all his flaws and failings, look what they've got now. They're the biggest state sponsor of terrorism in the world. They blew up the Israeli embassy in Buenos Aires a couple of days ago. Um, they, they are a horror show. And my understanding is that many young people in Iran do not like the Ayatollahs. We really should back them when they have their demonstrations. Uh, women have been beaten and killed by, in by their, their jails. Person. Yes, in their jails for its very simple offenses. They were dressed the wrong way. They posted something on social media. You're exactly right, Alice. But I want to go back to what you were saying about the Shah, because you do remember those protests here about the Shah, and there were there were many stories, and they were detailed stories about the Shah of Iran and his mistreatment of his own people. He was a dictator. And you're right. It was a secular country at that point. Women and others did have rights. They were more of a Western-type society with a dictator. But the people of that country were still not happy with the way of the abuses that that country was, uh, the citizens of that country were faced under the Shah. And by all accounts, he wasn't this wonderful, magnanimous, uh, loving ruler. He was a tyrant and a thug to his own people. Alice, now, am I, am I wrong about that, or do you have any other information that I don't know about that? No, no, you're exactly right. But look what they, look what's happened now. And by the way, I want to point out that under the Shah, that Iran, which is a Muslim country, had a decent relationship with Israel. Now, when the Shah was thrown out, and by the way, we can thank the French for letting Khomeini go back to um, Iran, one of the first things they did was close the Israeli consulate and give it over to the PLO. And I haven't forgotten about the bombing of the barracks, the Marine barracks in Lebanon. Done by 248 the Marines killed. 248 Americans Marines killed. Absolutely. Yes, with the connivance of Iran, which backs Hezbollah. And if I do know some Lebanese Christians here, they do not like Hezbollah. And in fact, during the Civil War, some of them were given sanctuary by Israel. And when the Palestinians were there, they, they, they got involved in that Civil War. You know, you wonder, why doesn't Jordan take the, in more Palestinians? Jordan is basically, there was a partition. Jordan is basically the Palestinian state. 
Why will they not take in more of them? Because of something called Black September. They caused all kinds of trouble when they were there. And um, I forgot the name of the uh, the last king of Jordan, not the current one. Oh, who's, was it Hussein? King Hussein? I forgot. Well, <clears throat> he was ruthless, ruthless with the Palestinians who had gone there. Wow. Alice, thank you so much for your call. We do appreciate it. Yeah, you know, this this entire region has been in conflict now. And I'm going to say it again. Iran and the United States have been in a Cold War since the 1970s. And until the situation in Iran is resolved, there will never be peace in the Middle East. Is the big the big problem. What we're seeing with Hamas, what we see with Hezbollah, are all just symptoms of the problem that is Iran. Iran will have to be dealt with. Coming up on WABC, News with Norm Layden. And we're going to be back and we'll have an extended chat with Noam as we do every Saturday. Princess Di coming up in the final hour today, so you want to keep it here for all... One hour is gone, but for the other two that are coming up on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Right back. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome, my friends, to our number duo here at WABC Talk Radio 77. It is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza, and if you want to be part of the program, 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800 800- Eight four eight nine two two two. With us is WABC News Director, all around good guy, Norm Layden. Norm, how are you this morning? I'm doing just great. Good morning, James. Noam, I have to ask you. You you uh, you mentioned these protests that are happening that will happen in Brooklyn. Is this I, Rudy was talking? Mayor Rudolph Giuliani. Yesterday was talking about protests that are scheduled for Crown Heights, and he was alarmed by that, given the history of protests in Crown Heights under the Dinkins administration and what happened there, that full-fledged rioting that went on there. Uh, are these protests in Brooklyn that, that you mentioned in the news, are they, is that happening in the same area? Is, is that the same area? Yeah, it's not far away. So it's supposed to be outside the Brooklyn Museum. And then not too far away is the Lubavitch Hasidic, uh, World, uh, Center, which is at 770, um, part, uh, and I'm, why am I blanking on the name of the street? But it's, it's at 770 Eastern Parkway. There we go. 770 Eastern Parkway. And so, uh, the thought is is that this group might want to march past the center. And, of course, today's the Jewish Sabbath, so there's some issues there. Uh, people already a little afraid about this confrontation. Not clear if they're going to let them march past that center. So we'll have to wait and see what happens today. My guess is they'll try to move them into a different direction. Not, but I, I don't have confirmation on that. 
Now, this surprise, I guess a lot of commuters were surprised last night when they could not get home from Grand Central, the usual commute, because of the protests that were happening inside there. Yeah, so it's a group called Jewish Voice for Peace. So almost all these people, if not all of them, were Jewish. Some of them wearing kippahs, yarmulkes, the, you know, clearly Jewish, who say that they want a ceasefire in Gaza. And so they held this sit-down right there in the middle of Grand Central at the height of rush hour. So for a while, police had to redirect people around Grand Central to get to their subways and trains. Uh, and then these people who clearly were there to get arrested sat there until police came in with those plastic cuffs that they carry now and carted all of these protesters away, about 200 of them charged with disorderly conduct. Noam, you're telling me that these protesters were Jewish, really? Demanding yeah. a ceasefire, really? They were, and yes, they're demanding a ceasefire. In New York. Yeah. A group, I am a lot of loss. I, 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 I don't understand this, Norm. Okay. I mean, I, I can, I can explain it to you, actually. Help me, please. Well, because please, please. the majority of, of the Jewish population in New York City, for sure, is liberal. And they just are. And so, uh, when you heard what these people were saying last night, is that they were, a fair amount of them were saying they were horrified by what they saw Hamas had happened on the part of what Hamas did when they raided into Israel and killed more than 1,400 innocent civilians in the southern part of Israel. But they also point to what they say is happening now, and they say, look, I don't see an end to this conflict, and I don't see how this helps. And so that's why they were out there protesting. And so to me, by the way, this is not surprising at all because the majority of the Jewish population is liberal. They just are. And so when you see these protests, I know it's maybe shocking to others, but I sort of say, oh, okay, yeah, that's that same group of people who've always been there. Noam. I, I mean, I don't, I, I know. Okay, yes, your liberal explains everything. And, you know, I, I worked with Rush Limbaugh for years, and of course, he used to say liberals are liberals first. Liberals will always put their ideology ahead of everything else. But do. These people, and I saw pictures, They're some of them, the ones I saw are young. Do they not understand the words as existential threat? Do they not understand the rationale that these attacks keep happening and they will happen unless Hamas is dealt with? They That doesn't come into the equation for them. I will say I think it's changed. Uh, this attack changed things probably in a bigger way than any other previous terrorist attack in Israel's history. Of course, this is far the worst one, the most surprising one, the most savage and shocking of so many civilians killed. And so you do see uh, people who I know who have been longtime liberals and part of that maybe would have been part of this community a couple of years ago are now saying, nah, I don't think so anymore, and rethinking the left's position when it comes to Israel. And you see some High-level celebrities who were really part of this movement for years who now are saying, uh, really questioning, wow, is, you know, the people who I've surrounded myself on the liberal side for so long who are out there, uh, maybe they're, maybe they were anti-Semitic all this time. And so there is this interesting movement going on, uh, within the Jewish community where, uh, people who were once incredibly liberal may not be so liberal anymore. 
There is a story in the New York Times. I don't know whether you've been following this at all. I just, I just found it this morning about what's going on in art form. I had never heard of the magazine art form. I am, despite the fact that I love art, I am not that deep into it. But Art Forum magazine apparently has fired its top editor, David Velasco, because of an open letter it published. Art Forum published an open letter um, about the Israeli-Hamas war, and it did not, in the open letter, make reference to the initial attack that took place with the tremendous and barbaric loss of life by Israel, but instead... It was along the same lines of the people protesting that they <clears throat> wanted a ceasefire, etc. And so he was fired. The the top editor was fired because uh, because what the the magazine publishers said was there was a flawed editorial process behind the publication of that letter. It should not have been published in the without going through a proper process. And so the top editor over at Artform, and apparently Artform is a big deal in the art community, he's been fired. And uh, now other, other celebrities and higher-ups in the art world are boycotting Artform, and they're disturbed. Now, this goes back to this whole thing about the cancel culture. And so let me ask you about that. We've seen a lot of people that have lost jobs, not a lot, but some. In fact, David Chappelle was at a concert, and he talked about that. He talked about the fact that people shouldn't lose their jobs for speaking out. And he was booed by people in the audience. And some people, I think in Baston, uh, got up and walked out of his show. He's still on the road talking about it. So it's interesting what's happening as as now this cancel, quote-unquote, the cancel culture is moving into another aspect that we haven't seen. Do you have any thoughts about that? Well, first of all, thank God for people like David Chappelle. I mean, I don't always agree with what he's saying, but he makes you think. And so it's funny that these people were all of a sudden they're offended by him. And they're not offended by one thing, but they're offended by the next thing. So they walk out of his concert in Boston. I mean, he's a comedian, but he's way more than that. And I, I find him really interesting and fascinating to watch. And again, you don't have to agree with everything he says. There's been times where he says stuff and I'm like, really? But I do like watching him. I think he's great. Um, I, I don't like that people are thrown out for what they think and say. I mean, I guess this art magazine can do whatever it wants and, Yeah, it's a private publication. Yeah. And, you know, if you're going to sign a letter, you know, saying the Palestinian people have the right to their own homeland, that you should probably acknowledge that what took place on October 7th, that, you know, Hamas terrorists came in and killed 1,400 innocent Israeli civilians. Uh, Shocking that that wasn't included. But I'm not a big guy when it comes to firing people for thought and what they write. I, I, I don't buy into any of that. See, I think there's a distinction. If you are, let's say, a professor at a college and you're taxpayer-funded and you're deriving your salary from the taxpayers, I think that there has to be a little bit more sensitivity with the statements that you make. Because, after all, this is not a pri- you're not in a private enterprise. You are in a public enterprise funded by the public. And therefore, if you're going to come out politically, I think that there should be there, there's an expectation that that you need to temper your remarks, understanding that you are an employee of the public. 
But if you're in a private enterprise, I mean, as private enterprises can do what they want to do. I don't like it either. I just don't like this this cancel. In fact, the the move to censure that some conservatives are after to censure the members of the squad. I think that that's wrong. Let them speak. Let people speak. You know where they're coming from. If the voters don't like what these elected officials are saying, then the voters will be the stopgap. The voters will tell them, we didn't like this. Yeah, well, Congresswoman Tlaib, she speaks for the people she represents. And I know that gets people angry, but she does. The majority of people in her, of her constituents in her community in Michigan uh, agree 100% with what she's saying. So uh, you would, you, I think you could suggest that she's doing right by her constituents, that she, she's their voice. Exactly right. <clears throat> Norm, as always, my friend, it is such a pleasure. I'm looking. We're, we're covering this, this event in Brooklyn, are we not? We are. So we'll, as, as more details come into us, it's it's one of these protests, by the way. They have a permit to be there in front of the Brooklyn Museum. The issue that became a big story this week was how far could they march into Brooklyn from the museum? By the way, there's an um, I mean, I imagine they won't go there, but there's an amazing Jay-Z exhibit at the uh at the museum right now that you should, oh, i'm sorry it's the brooklyn library not the museum but it's all in the same area that you should definitely check out but this protest it, they're worried about it going down eastern parkway uh past uh what is a predominantly orthodox jewish community and upsetting that neighborhood is on the jewish sabbath or really any day for that matter because there's been some you know hostile uh confrontations between the jewish community and these pro-palestinian protesters the police want to do everything they can do to prevent that from happening, but they also want to give people the chance to express themselves. So I'll get more details. We, we're going to be in touch with the NYPD this morning to see how far they'll let them march. Oh, good. I have to ask something else before you leave, though. One other thing. New York City apparently is giving one-way tickets, one-way plane tickets yeah. to... Uh, <laughs> to uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh at it, but... <laughs> <laughs> it is great story. <laughs> you can't even get out the story. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, Mayor Adams is taking. You know, look, he's doing what what the governor Governor Abbott did, right? <laughs> so. Mayor Adams complained on and on about Texas sending in immigrants yeah. to New York, and now he's saying, "Okay, we're going <laughs> we're going to give you a one way ticket to get out of here because there's no more room." And nobody, nobody in his administration apparently sees the irony at all. No, not at all. <laughs> it's exactly what he was screaming at Governor Abbott for doing not more than a year ago. But, yeah, he's going to give them one-way tickets to migrants who are willing to take them up on it. To, by the way, I think anywhere they want to go in the U.S. I don't know. So if they want to go to Hawaii, I guess we'll pay for their trip to Hawaii. <laughs> so, oh, you know. that's uh, he, he probably says, I hope they want to go to Texas. I hope they want to go to Texas. <laughs> How hysterical would that be? We fly them back into, you know, Houston. Uh, <laughs> and then Mirada switches them on a bus and sends them right, <laughs> right back. <right. laughs> they take that long. They're like, wait a minute. This Texas is not as nice as New York. 
Huh. Yeah, I, I, you know, he's run out of ideas. And look, this is, I, I have to say, I don't know if this is such a terrible one. If someone takes him up on it, hey, it's, if, uh, let's say a ticket's 700 bucks, it costs 300 bucks a night to pay for the migrants who are here. So two nights to send them to some other part of the country. Maybe this is a brilliant idea. Well, also, in, in addition to you just said the $300 a night, and by the way, that's a discount rate for hotels in New York. Most people know that if you, Want to stay at one of the nicer hotels? Try more 600 to 700 plus a night. Um, New York City is also spending millions of dollars on contracts for laundry. That's what the New York Post reported. Yeah. They spent, the city has spent $11.6 million on cleaning services for laundry for illegal migrants in New York City. $11.6 million. And you know, in Chicago, there is a huge uprising of citizens. They're thinking about putting a tent city there, and the residents are up in arms. They're like, "You no, you didn't tell us you were going to do this, and why are you doing this in our neighborhoods? No. So this immigration problem is still festering, not just in New York City, but also in Chicago, and I imagine in other cities around the country. Yeah, so we'll so we'll fly them out to uh, any city of their choice. I don't know what happens when they land there, but it doesn't matter. They're not our problem anymore. It's I don't think it's a terrible idea. By the more I talk out loud about it, it's not such a bad idea. Send them to their city of choice. You want to go to you want to go to uh, Des Moines? Okay, here's your ticket. You want to go to San Diego? That's where I would go. Here's your ticket. Oh man! You know what? Um, Mayor Adams has seen the light. Yeah, right. <laughs> Noam, thank you so much. Always a pleasure, my friend. Right back at you, James. WABC News Director Noam Layden, folks on WABC is Boston early Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Glad you're here. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC is the number to call. We're coming back. Oh, let's see. Nineteen fifty six. Elvis Presley makes his second appearance on Where? The Ed Sullivan Show. I wonder if this is the one where they actually showed him. You know, the first one, they only showed him from waist up because he was gyrating. It's amazing how far we've come. These days, you can see these... These days you see singers giving lap dances and doing all kind of things, twerking. Then they wouldn't even show him gyrating his hips. He wasn't even grabbing his crotch. But anyway, 1956, Elvis goes back to Ed Sullivan. All the memories on WABC Talk Radio 77. Keep it right here, folks. Welcome aboard. Nice to see you again, sir. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. At 
I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. Cause I've been blasting and laughing so long that even my mama thinks that my mind is gone. But I ain't never crossed a man that didn't deserve it. Me be treated like a punk, you know that's unheard of. You better watch out and it already, I think, gone to number one here in the States. But on this day in 1995, Gangsta Paradise went to number one over in the United Kingdom. Of course, the initial song was, Nick, we have Pastime Paradise. We should have it in the library because I requested it many, many moons ago. And this is um, within the anniversary of when Songs in the Key of Life was the number one record in the country. This was on Stevie's song in the Key of Life. Play the original, will you? Just mix this in. Because this was a takeoff from Stevie Wonder's Pastime Paradise, which was one of the many incredible songs on the Songs in the Key of Life album. And this was the original song from Stevie Wonder on the Songs in the Key of Life album, Pastime Paradise. This album, so genius. Let me ask you something, James. Would you yep. call, would you call this a sample or an interpolation? <laughs> this recording? Sorry, I meant what, what um, Julio did to, uh, to Steve. What Julio did was actually it wasn't so much a sample. He just he he just re-recorded tracks and yeah, it wasn't a sample because this was totally a different track. That motif is just so good. That string. It's beautiful. I heard this song before this album came out. One of my friends had, uh, one of my dear friends, Gary Bird, Emotep Gary Bird, had written some songs with Stevie on this album and had the album. And I would go hang out with him and he would play selections from this, from the upcoming record for me. And I mean, it was an amazing, amazing thing. Yes, confirmation to peace of the world. I wish we had some of that now. Stevie Wonder, Pastime Paradise, and before that, Coolio's Gangster Paradise on WABC. 
Princess Di is going to come up in the next hour. Can't wait to hear from her. And sometime in the November month, we're also going to be joined again on Saturdays with America's Small Caffeinated Mom. That'll happen in the weeks coming up. Uh, Ford, GM, Mercedes are all coming clean on the weakness, the weakness of their electric vehicles. Now, you know Joe Biden and his administration, just like out in California, California has a mandate to go all electric. I think it's by 2030. Well, this week, the top executives at Ford, General Motors, Mercedes-Benz, all addressed concerns over waning demand for electric vehicles. You people, and you know who you are. You people are not cooperating, and you should be ashamed of yourselves. Your government has asked you to go out and buy electric cars. And you people, you people are not complying with your government. You are still holding on to your gas-powered vehicles. You have all these companies, Ford, GM, Mercedes-Benz, they're all making these electric cars because your government told you that this is the wave of the future. You need to buy them. And instead of you people running to your Mercedes dealer saying, I want, I want the new Mercedes electric car. I want the new Mercedes electric. And instead of you running to Ford saying, please, I must demand to have that F1 electric pickup truck. And, and General Motors, whatever it is they're selling these days, You people are not buying these freaking electric cars. What's wrong with you people? Never mind, by the way, there was another story this week. Don't have it in front of me, but they figured out how much it actually cost to charge these things. And I have friends that have electric cars, and I can't wait to go back with them in some of these numbers. They all talk about, yeah, you know. And, And I wonder if the numbers are true. Because my friends tell me how much it costs, what their electric bill is. And how little it's gone up. But the report that came out this week said that to charge an electric car is the equivalent of spending $17 per gallon for gasoline. And I don't know whether I trust that number or not. Anyway, Ford has withdrawn its full-year forecast. They say there's uncertainty. They're telling investors over the deal they have with United Auto Workers. And they also warned of continued pressure on electric vehicles because customers are unhappy. They don't want to pay the premium prices that electric vehicles cost. Okay, GM has withdrawn its 2023 profit outlook. The CEO there. Mary Barra said the automaker is going to slow the launch of several planned electric vehicle models. They're reducing their fixed costs by about $2 billion net of depreciation and amortizing as uh, they exit 2024. We are also moderating the acceleration of EV production in North America to protect their pricing, meaning 
these damn electric cars are not selling. GM also uh, and Honda issued a joint statement announcing the end of a $5 billion partnership to develop more affordable electric vehicles. They just started it last year, and they're saying, ah, 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 ah. nope, nope, spending too much money on this. Mercedes-Benz financial chief executive Harold Wilhelm noted during a call with analysts that uh, some traditional players are selling EVs below the pricing level of internal combustion engine vehicles despite their higher production costs. And he says, I can hardly imagine the current status quo is fully sustainable for everybody. In other words, some people are selling those electric vehicles at a loss. And he's like, uh-uh, uh-uh. We don't like to sell cars at a loss over here at Mercedes. We're making these high-priced electric vehicles. You people better buy them. Didn't you get your orders? Didn't you get your marching orders from Governor Newsom, from Joe Biden? What's wrong with you people? What do you mean you can't go from coast to What do you mean you don't want to stop to go get a charge? What's wrong with you people? What do you, what do you mean your electric vehicle, you're worried about getting stuck in a cold traffic jam and all of a sudden your battery dies because batteries tend to die in the What's wrong with you people? Take a blanket. Keep a few blankets in the truck in the car. So your electric battery dies. Just wrap up in a blanket and walk son, walk to the nearest um I don't know. I don't know how to deal with it, but deal with it. What do you mean you don't like electric vehicles? I see you people driving around in those little golf carts, isn't it that's becoming a trend. People don't need Even kids driving around on these golf carts. Yeah. But I don't understand you people. Your government told you to go get your electric vehicles, and there you are not getting your electric vehicle. And the automakers, the poor automakers, are suffering. You are causing suffering in the auto community because you refuse to buy electric vehicles stubbornly clinging to the, I guess, you, you, you're the people like Obama called you the bitter clingers. Remember that when Obama called you, you're a bunch of bitter clingers, you're hanging on to your guns and your, your guns and your Bibles. You bitter, that's what Obama said, you, the bitter clingers. Well, now, you bitter clingers are not only holding on to your guns and your Bibles, but you're holding on to your gas vehicles too. They told you, to get an electric vehicle, and you people are stubbornly ignoring them. How dare you? How dare you? How dare you? <sighs> Time to get up. Oh, oh man, that hurt. You know what I did this week? I'm going to brag. I took my bike out. I actually put some air in the tires. I did about a mile. Oh, so I know a mile's not a big deal. For me, it was a big deal. 
and my fat behind actually sat on the seat this week because it wasn't as fat as the last time I tried it. So we're up doing the morning dance. This is a chance to move the body around here on WABC. Spira Gyra lets us shake out, <sighs> shake out the kinks. Not shake out the kinky, shake out the kinks. On WABC. Coming back, your phone calls and more on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Do not go away. Diana Ross and the Supremes at number one of the charts with Diana Ross and the Supremes greatest hits Florence Ballad was on the cover of that and deservedly so because she was with the Supremes during most of their greatest hits but by the time this album was released Lawrence Ballard was no longer in the group. Cindy Bird's song had taken over. Her role. Most people didn't notice that it was a different voice singing, ooh, ooh. They didn't notice it was different, but it was. Thank you so much. Let us return back to the telephones here. Princess Di coming up in the next hour. Can't wait to hear what is on Her Majesty's brilliant and regal mind. Phil is calling in from Missouri. Thank you for waiting. Phil, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for taking my call. Um, We were talking earlier about mental health issues. and Yes. I, I think that the breakdown is due to the easy access to everything, whether it be drugs or pornography. And what it's done is just weakened everything, all of our institutions, the schools, the government, uh, the organized institutions of faith, whether it be a synagogue or a church. And it just seems like these days with the easy access to everything, it's more important now to be stronger than ever. And we need strong leadership to, to steer us away from these things. Yeah, these things are always going to be out there, but it just seems like now, with the easy access to everything, it's it's harder than ever to be. I guess it would be a a good, you know, a, a good person, so to speak. And you know, the the drugs alone. I mean, the marijuana they sell now isn't the same, you know, tree bark that you used to steal from your buddy's older brother. It's it's a lot different now than what it was back in the you know the eighties and seventies. 
It and is because I haven't. Like, I, I, wait, let me stop you there because I need to know the difference. Because I wasn't smoking tree bark back then. I was smoking some pretty good stuff. And let me tell you, it was it. Oh my goodness! It, of course, I don't do that now, and I stopped doing that ages and ages ago. And yes, unlike Bill Clinton, I did inhale. And un, and unlike Bill Clinton, I did enjoy. It. Well, I whatever. But you're saying it's different now. And how is it different? Is it more, even more? The stuff we had back then was pretty powerful. This what, is what's a lot, going on with it, It's a lot more powerful. The THC content is a lot higher. Good grief. It doesn't take as much of it to get to where you need to go, I guess. But by the same token, you know, like an alcoholic, your tolerance gets higher, so then you need more, and then you need more. And then I don't care what anybody says, marijuana is a gateway drug to just bad Phil, news you, all around. It, Phil, Phil, let me tell you something. This is one of the things that, and I talked about this on the show earlier in the week, one of the things that I have been astounded by, the very people that tell us and told kids, we're going to put Joe Camel out of business, they're marketing this stuff to kids, and, and cigarettes are horrible for you, and I'm not saying they're not. They are terrible for you. Let's, they are. But these very same people, these very same states, rush in to legalize marijuana. And marijuana, having used it, I can tell you, I was glad when I finally stopped using it because the short-term memory loss that starts to happen, the continued fog, the, 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 I don't, they keep saying it wasn't addictive, but there was a dependency on it, um, to, to get a certain feeling. <clears throat> I have never understood the logic of legalizing marijuana. And, and like you said, it is easy access. You can go in some cities now. And you're walking on the street. If you smoke a cigarette, God bless you, they want to throw you in jail. But if you're smoking marijuana, eh, so what? James, it goes back to the weak leadership in our government in that they're so desperate for money, they're willing to mortgage or sell or, or possibly sell our, our kids' future for, for just a few measly dollars. And it, it kind of reminds me of you know the, the whole when they had the budget crisis going on and somehow they were arguing over Ukraine money and border security as if they were somehow a line-item veto on a budget. Like, our border security should not be – it should be a non-starter, a non-negotiable thing, just like putting drugs in kids' hands or, or prepubescent kids getting puberty blockers. These are all weakness. That's, that's not a sign of strength. That's a sign of weak people taking over. If you think strong people are bad, where do you see what weak people can do? Wow. Now, you said this easy access to everything. There apparently is not an easy access to the influences that promote virtue, goodness. To go back to something I was talking to the other day, righteousness. Those words are not discussed in open society much anymore. There isn't a call, a national call, a referendum, hey, we need to stop this lifestyle that is dragging people down and instead turn to a lifestyle that may be a little bit more difficult to achieve but is also attainable that will give you a better life. That is, that is, and by the way, uh, to your point, uh, Phil, I just got a note from, from Rhonda, who has shared with us the experiences that her son has had. 
telling you, hey, you're exactly right. It's a gateway drug, and she watched it destroy her son. Her son now, thankfully, has recovered. But he went on a years-long tear with drugs, and the gateway drug, she's saying, was marijuana. But there is an easy access, Phil, to some of the things that would improve and that have been proven throughout history to improve the condition of man. And so you hear the Speaker of the House, this new Speaker of the House, say, listen, the problem is the human heart. And he's under attack from the White House. He's under attack from news commentators like Joe Scarborough. He's under attack from uh, Alexandria Petri, columnist in the Washington Post, who is mockingly sarcastic of this idea that the human heart is something that we should be concerned about. Instead, we should be concerned about making more, even more laws to give us something in society that the laws we already have are not giving us. Let me let you have the last word on that, Phil. Well, I, I, I just think that they, the, the people that are in power now refuse to trust the average everyday citizen with, you know, their right to self-determination, their right to, to do what's right and wrong. These liberals or leftists, they, they think they know everything and what's good for everybody. And these are the same people that brought us, you know, the COVID shots and, you know, like I said, puberty blockers and all the, the legalized marijuana. I mean, in, in, over in Washington, I believe cocaine is legal now, along with it as mushrooms and LSD. And uh, where are we headed? When does it stop? I mean, that's, we just need to drift back towards family, faith, and, you know, civic duty, too, is another thing that should be brought up. You know, nobody cares about, you know, doing what's right for your, you know, your everyday taxpayer, whether it be keeping your, your, your house clean or opening a door for somebody. It just seems like these, these everyday things are just drifting away. And now everybody's an individual with their phone in their hand and a TikTok account. It's not about community and family and faith and the things that we need to get back to that are going to make us what we once were, the strongest country in the world. Wow, Phil. That was an amazing essay you just gave us. Thank you. We appreciate your call. James Golden here on the Mick, are we do where are we at in break time? We have another break or are we good? Where are we here? We've got one more. Well then let's take it. And we'll get back and even do even more phone calls, okay? So, living on a prayer, eh? On WABC Talk Radio seventy seven. If more of us were living on a prayer, well, yeah, there's that. WABC Talk Radio 77. Coming back, more of your calls. Do not go away. Welcome aboard. Nice to see you again, sir. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Oh, man. This is from the Talking Book album. 
Good choice, Nick. This is uh, Stevie's You've Got It Bad, Girl. Memory serves me right. He's playing drums on this as well as playing keys. And the drum track is amazing, for those of you drummers out there. Um, and if memory serves, I believe his lyricist on this was Sarita Wright. That sounds like her in the background. There are those synths. Those are the early days of synth. And it's crazy how good he made them sound, despite how rudimentary they were. He had two brilliant engineers with him. Cecil Margoloff was one. Those synths sound so good. That's the, I, I believe that's the Moog. I think that's the Moog synthesizer on that. Yeah, that's the Moog sine wave. Yes. Stevie Wonder from the Talking Book album. We talked about it earlier. Released on this day. WABC Talk Radio 77. Let's get back to the telephones. Frank in Staten Island. Thank you for waiting. How you doing? Good morning. And good morning to you. Okay, just two things I want to mention. First of all, with music, the other day was the anniversary of uh, 50th anniversary of the Who's Quadrophenia. I'm not. I'm not sure if you even if you mentioned it at all. Um, it's and 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 the uh, the Q104 didn't play it either. Uh, you know, they're live at five, so I don't know. I mean, that to me, that's a very important album, double album with a booklet, the story of a, of a kid. You know, Quadrophenia four. Maybe he has four mental sides to him you know mental um illness could have could play a part in that story of uh, the album incredible music by pete townsend wow you know pete townsend has an interesting reputation and it's been coming under scrutiny lately from some of the remarks that he has made uh do you want to weigh in on any of that i haven't seen anything like that but i know that politically with him and Roger Daltrey, Roger Daltrey was, it was in favor of Brexit, whereas uh, Pete Townsend is not in favor of Brexit, Brexit. So Pete is a little bit more leftist compared to um, Daltrey, but I think they would rather stick, to, rather talk more about music rather than get in, put their their opinions of, of politics in the world. I think. Got Can it. Talk, or the protesters. Is, yeah, go ahead. What's the second? Yeah, go ahead. The protesters, what bothers me about them a lot is that they, they, because they're young, they have no memory of anything. So I, I, I became a supporter of Israel in 1972 because of the attacks on the 11 Israeli athletes and how they were slaughtered by Palestinian terrorists. Then later on, when the old man Klinghoffer oh, in the wheelchair the was thrown was thrown off the ship with the wheelchair by Palestinian terrorists. That made mm-hmm. me so angry. And then later on came this thing, the second intifada, where every day suicide bombers are going on, go on buses, blowing up people, going into restaurants and cafes, killing people. Imagine all you want to do is just go to the movies and boom, 
your life is over. All you want to do is have fun. And these p- protesters, they don't, they, you know, they want to throw around words like genocide and ethnic cleansing and blah, 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 blah. They don't, what they leave out conveniently is the terror that Palestinian uh, uh, terrorists have inflicted on Israel for so long. They just leave it out. And they just talk about their, their concerns. Boo-hoo, boo-hoo. So sick of hearing it. So these protesters know nothing. They just know they're ignorant. Young people that are ignorant. Well, it's not. Let me just say this about that, because one of the things, look, I dare say that the Israelis are also concerned about civilian deaths. But at this moment, they have a hard choice. They can either do what they have to do to secure their own existence, or they can allow themselves to be exterminated. And they have vowed, and rightly so, never again. They will not be exterminated. Okay? Now, I'm concerned about civilian deaths, too. I've raised that. I think everybody. No one. I saw the picture the other day of a Palestinian man holding up um, a, a, a shroud with blood all over it, and, and he's holding it in his hands. It's, a, it's a, a, apparently a child in there. And this was in a story about the civilian deaths. Nobody wants to see that. But at the same time, no one wants to see Israel and Israeli citizens get slaughtered. No one wants to see Israeli babies. No one wants to see any baby beheaded by terrorists. This stuff is horrific. It's horrible in nature. So we are left with some very, very unpleasant things to deal with. What does Israel do? Does Israel say, okay, we don't want we we value life and we don't want to uh, we don't want to do this they're not doing this because they want to do this they're doing this because they have to do this to ensure their own survival and they have been restrained time and time again when they've been under attack just like the Biden administration now the Biden administration's talking out of both sides of their mouth they're telling publicly oh yes we support Israel they're saying it in the UN saying all the right things but the news stories today, they're also working behind the scenes to try to stop Israel from doing what they have to do to, to once and for all take out Hamas. This time, Israel is not listening. We, this is, they are in the, of the mindset that they have to do this in order to ensure their own survival. So I think there's going to be a lot of boo-hoo, and I do feel badly for any innocent life that is going to be taken in this conflict. And I don't want to ever lose the humanity of ever feeling badly for that. At the same time, we have to recognize what's going on. We have a lot of people on hold, F. Rocco and Tom and Rick. We're going to get to all the calls, 800-848-WABC+. Princess Di is going to join us in the next hour. Hard to believe time is flying so fast. Our number duo in the can. Our number trio coming up. Keep it right here with us. Have another cup of coffee, another cup of tea. You know, I'm not a tea drinker, but I have to tell you, I had some chai tea. And it was, woof. It's like, yeah. And then I had this thing called a dirty chai. Chai with some espresso. It's like, you know, you know, maybe it's time for me to widen my horizons a little bit. Careful, you might end up uh, you might end up British like me if you drink up too much tea. 
Half Brit Nick weighs in. <laughs> it's tea time, Mike. Yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, coming back, WABC News coming up right after. We'll be back right after this. Welcome to our number trio here on WABC, Talk Radio 77. If you want to be on the program, 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800-848-9222. We're going to go to Princess Di a little bit early, so she'll come up in a few minutes, but I want to go to two te- uh, cases in Texas. We were talking with Norm last hour about <laughs> Mayor Adams giving a one-way ticket to immigrants. And Texas and lawmakers have voted to let local police arrest illegal immigrants, a state-level crime crossing into Texas. If you are illegal and you go into Texas now, they're making it a state crime. And that came out of the Texas legislature. You know this is going to the Supreme Court. One of the legislators down there on the Democrat side went off. He said, it hurts us to our effing, and he used the word, core. State Representative Armando Lucio Wale He had a confrontation with State Representative Cody Harris, who sought to limit the debate on the amendments of these bills. And they're not happy, but it passed in Texas. State law now that you can arrest illegal immigrants who have entered the state of Texas illegally. And ladies and gentlemen... With James Golden and America's Princess of Policy, Princess Di. I could not wait to have you on, Your Highness, because so much has happened during this past week in your country. And we, your subjects, are waiting to hear what our Princess, our Majesty, thinks about all the wondrous things that have taken place, including the elevation of this new guy, this religious guy, this evangelical guy, this guy who actually dares talk about God as the Speaker of the House instead of the godless one, oops, instead of the other people that have been there. Oh, my goodness, Sir James. I'm so happy to speak with you. What is the question of Mike Johnson? I L-O-V-E love him. I think that this is I think that this is the answer to a prayer. I think for many, many years, the conservative base has been saying, please, can we please have a conservative as Speaker of the House? Somebody please. And so old Matt Gates, 
opened up. The they were upset. The Republicans wanted to. They 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 can't. Their panties were in a wad. They they couldn't believe it. And how dare he use this deal that that Kevin signed on to and actually get rid of Kevin? Oh, what are we going to do? And even up until the last minute, Kevin's people were trying to throw interference to see whether he could get his sorry, get his to get back in power. And no, it didn't. So then, okay, so Kevin's out. So now we're going to now we're going to go to and I, and I like him. You know, I like the whip. I, I like that. So, so now we're going to give it to one of Kevin's guys. We're going to go to the whip. And nope, that didn't work out. Now we're going go to go to Jim Jordan. Oh, no, we can't stand Jim Jordan. He's a horrible conservative. He's, 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 he's an election. Den- he, he, he attacks people. So these are the moderate Republicans, by the way, not just the Democrats. The Democrats are just beside themselves. How dare you people actually think about electing somebody competent to be the speaker. So. We get past that. So then they go to the guy that they started with anyway, wanted to start with, but couldn't put him up, Emmer. Okay, see, we got somebody for you. He's another one of Kevin's guys. Emmer, give him. And the guy didn't even make it to the floor. (laughs) Those awful conservatives blocked him. And what happened instead, we get a conservative guy, a guy who talks about faith, a guy who talks about God, who talks about our history, who talks about this is God's calling for all of us, not just me, not just Republicans, for all of us to be able to represent this country. And he's a nice guy. He comes off friendly. He has a smile. He he talks about how he remembers being there with Sheila Jackson Lee when Sheila Jackson Lee was speaking and, and he wants to reach out to Hakeem Jeffries and all the right and no 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 it lasted for about two minutes, and the attacks began. Then, he says, the problem in America in response to this major is with the human heart, and they are losing their freaking minds. And I love every second of it. So do I. And this was a stealth uh, event which, as I agree with you, is an answer to prayer. The way this unfolded is impossible. And the fact that even AP mentioned that Mike Johnson, who's only been in Congress since 2017, he came in with Trump, uh, has few foes. This is a guy whose positions are as solid extremist right wing as you can get but he is known to be a friend to all and he is liked by all and to have that entire republican conference unanimous at that point including emmer and mccarthy and all of his minions was a in my opinion quite a miracle to have happened and no one had really heard of him out in the country. So there wasn't the same kind of pressure brought to bear from the conservatives calling their representatives. And, of course, they defied us. And so they were able to make this decision internal to themselves and came up with a fellow whose first act was in the conference to pray. 
And, you know, that is just unbelievable. And now the first day the media was kind of Googling him and who is this guy? And they landed on, oh, he's an election denier. And so that was the first thing. And, of course, nobody out in the country is upset about somebody who's questioning the election because a lot of people are the 2020 election. But now they have uh, landed on calling him a Christo fascist, which is their smear on Christian believers. And so Daily Beast has now termed him more dangerous than Donald Trump. And so the media is off and running <laughs> so, because they have now really learned, you know, his background. And, and the problem for them is he is an excellent tactician. He is a lawyer, constitutional lawyer. And a I constitutional re- lawyer. I remember, I was like, who is this guy? And I, I did, what did we all did? Googled him. And I came upon a couple of videos that I had seen at the time on hearings. I'm like, oh, this guy, he took apart Alejandro Mayorkas, the Homeland Security Secretary, in a hearing and reduced him to stuttering by this very meticulous, not grandstanding, but he took him apart on the stand, as it were, by questioning and not believing his answers. And he did the same thing with Merrick Garland. Very lawyerly, very methodical, very smart, but bold. He is an unusual combination of of character types. He is he is both as you know solid a conservative as they come, but he has also got a manner that is very friendly and very positive when he's not taking your part on the stand. So this is a guy who has engendered confidence in his in all Republicans, which is an impossibility because you've got the moderates and the liberals the rhino caucus at loggerheads with the conservatives. And as I had mentioned, you know, you have a a voter base position on many things, which hasn't really been represented in Congress. And so there's been a slow reform happening as the voters have sent again and again and again, more and more conservatives, even American first conservatives, and they haven't made it to the leadership. Well, now, Really, for the first time in decades, we have one of us, as I would call it, in the leadership, not only in the leadership, but as Speaker of the House, the third most powerful office in uh, uh, the American uh, constitutional structure. And he's someone who understands the power of the office as a constitutional lawyer. So this is going to be a unique experience. And, and remember, we were talking about how what Matt Gates, although some people, including your friend Derek Hunter, thought it was a terrible move. But I said kicking over the table and allowing the winds of reform to blow through ended up being what we're seeing, a potential. Now, you you have to wait and see, of course, because you can never, you know, assume just because a politician says something that that's what will happen. But this guy's different. So I feel, you know, 
I, I, I want to counter the cynicism that we all have felt over the years. Here comes the new boss, just the same as the old boss, the same old, same old, because we've been through that, as you've mentioned. The next guy in line, it's the same one. It's the same, you know, conflict with East is Republicans. Are and yeah, Diana, we're losing you on part of it. Um, yeah. Let me just let me just jump in here for a quick second here and just say that this is one of the things that I wonder about. And I, the first day after he was um, elected, one of the things that I thought was, you know, Matt Gates looks like <clears throat> right now he's the scapegoat. He was told to sit down and shut up by Kevin. He was booed when he went into a, a conference meeting. In the end. This could turn out to be one of the best things for Matt Gates' career ever if Speaker Johnson turns out to be one of the truly great speakers or even after what we've been through, even a competent speaker and yeah. keeps word. <clears throat> this could turn out to be one of the things that looks like it was providential. as you, One of the things that you just said, a miracle. This is something that no one could have expected the outcome to be. And I kept saying all along, I'm not worried that this is taking two, three weeks. I'm not worried because right. sooner or later we will have a speaker. And if the right thing happens, if we have the right speaker at the end of the process, then it will all be for the good. And this little three-week period that we had, whatever the, however long it takes, is going to be forgotten in the long run. Yes. And I think that we are standing right now on the precipice of actually having something that is, is I feel optimistic about what can be done in the House. And I also don't think, as some of the detractors are saying, that, oh, no, this means the Republicans are going to lose the majority. In fact, I think that this may ensure if, if he does what he says he's going to do, that Republicans can hold on to the majority in the House, and maybe, maybe, if the right thing is done and the Senate can go along with it, where the Senate is where all good legislation goes to die, maybe we might even be able to recapture the Senate. I agree. I I, I think that one of the things that he is known for is his work ethic. And I have heard commentary already that they are not going to go home and do their individual studies and talking to their constituents. They're going right to work. They're going to full hour days. They're not going to work for an hour, have their lunch and then go home with their jackets thrown over their necks, their backs with their sleeves rolled up after working two hours. They're going to be working full days on the appropriations. So that is going to be a sight to behold because they have been lazy in that house and then at the end can't accomplish anything and say, well, it was the best we could do. So we're going to see a quite different House of Representatives. And I think you're right. That's what's going to bring a retention of the majority. Now, I know you you have some other things that you want to talk about, but I want to just for a minute turn your attention to this remark that he made that the problem is the human heart. A Alexandria Petrie in the Washington Post has one of the most sarcastic, mocking, horrid little uh, 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 pieces of commentary I've read in a while. Um, one of the things that she starts off, and as you get further into it, the heart is uniquely is a uniquely American problem. 
Johnson, I hear, had his removed long ago, which allows him to look on the suffering of his fellow man with equanimity and detachment because of his serene awareness of the divine plan. So not just marking him, but mocking his religion, okay? That's one thing. You had Scarborough, who used to, who claimed to be a conservative when he first got to Congress, and he's saying um, uh, the human heart is not made of steel. It can't repel bullets. As if he's talking about the literal heart and about the lack of, look, Diana, we have all on our side bemoaned this lack of let's I call it a lack of consciousness that has been allowed to permeate so much of American society where there is no respect for the sanctity of life, where there is, and it's not being taught where there is no reverence for life, where there is no reverence for the, the virtuous lifestyle and that is not um, um, the property of any one religion, but of all major religions would seek, most major religions would seek to tell humanity that we can be better. We can be godlike. We can try to live our lives in a better fashion. And that's what he's talking about, obviously, with the human heart. That would preclude people from from picking up a gun and randomly killing people. Are these people, and not just the White House also came after him with this, are these people willfully ignorant or just mean or both when they go on these kind of attacks on such a simple premise? Well, I think, because you're right, the White House called this statement about the human heart offensive. That was their term. This is offensive. Here's my theory, just coming at it from, as a person of faith. I think that when a believer talks about the problem is the human heart, what they're saying is a biblical worldview is the problem is human sin. And that is what the left is reacting to. It cannot possibly be defined as sin being the problem because the answer then is God. So that's why they're reacting with hysteria to him mentioning the problem in the human heart, because they don't want to hear anything else that goes after that, where you're, you know, the, the solution is, is divine and in God we trust and all of those things. And that is something that frightens the left because it has a power and a connection with the American people that they can't compete with. So that is why they reacted like scalded cats, in my view, to his simple, obvious enunciation of the truth that that's where the problem is, is the human heart, the human condition, the human rebellion against God. And all of those things have wonderful uh, 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 connection with the American people. Most Americans would agree with that. So the power of it is enormous. And so that's why they are trying to hand him off at the pass by basically, how dare you say that? They're hoping that he trims his sails and he doesn't talk like that anymore. But I don't get that feeling that he is someone who's going to be uh, stopped from telling what he says is the truth in the American, in his position, which is the third most powerful in our government. I thought about you the moment he, when he, in his speech, when he said above me, and he pointed to the, 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 and he went to an explanation of how right above the speaker's 
podium is the motto inscribed in God we trust. And he talked about his origin because that's something that you have been saying is what we have to get back to in this country. Dan, we got to take a break. Hang on. We're going to come back, and then we're going to go into some other issues here. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley with you here, WABC. It is the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Princess Di, Her Majesty is with us. Do not go away. We're coming back to your phone calls, too. So if you're on hold, stay on hold. Coming back in a moment. Jamiroquai. It takes us in. Coming back real quick. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Ventura Highway, that is America here on WABC Talk Radio 77. With me now, glad to have her here, Princess Diana. Princess Di. Yeah, you know, James Carville was in the news, eh, this week? Yes, he was. He is telling his audience that he's being told to shut up because he's pointing out problems and that Biden has 2024 weaknesses. So his own party is trying to tell him to get with the program and to support the situation as it is. They just have their fingers in their ears and going blah, 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 blah. But they do not want to hear any other voices, even from someone within the party. Now, James Carville comes to the conclusion that the president has an age problem. There is no mention in any of the coverage I've seen of James Carville giving the alarm about the economy. And that is, to me, so amusing because he was the guy in the Clinton years who basically made the campaign, it's the economy, stupid. And it's so, the economy, stupid. It's the bond market. And, it's the bond. <laughs> it's the bond market. People look at the bond market. Yeah. <laughs> So that really is, I would say, you know, the age problem is there with Biden as far as how voters uh, approach him. But the real problem is the primary problem is the economy. And so that's not in any of what he's saying. However, the, the fact is Biden is in trouble and the and other Democrats are trying to get Carville to shut up about it. And he's talking about the polling data. They're, the poll numbers are not getting any better. And the one of the things that he, he mentions in uh, the Fox News story that I read, here's the most important sentence. The most undercovered story in contemporary American politics is that black turnout has been miserable everywhere since 2020. This is such an important piece of information, data, political information, and and he's the only one saying it. It is the truth, and we saw it in the newly elected governor, Jeff Landry, who got 12% of the black vote, and uh, this is something he was running against the Democrat uh, person who was his competitor, was an African-American candidate, Sean Wilson. And so 
apparently, I just am reading this and finding this out, Jeff Landry had an outreach, which we've always wanted politicians to do, into the black community. He went on black radio, and that was his ad strategy, and he won some of the vote. 12% is very strong. And also the turnout among African Americans was low. So instead of maybe voting for the Republican, they just didn't turn out for the Democrat, which is a really interesting political sign. So Carville is trying to send that alarm out and the fact that they're not listening to him and telling him to shut up and get with the program is a very important development. And the African-American vote is going to be key going forward. Well, I'll be darned. You mean tell me down here in Louisiana, we had black people and black people ain't voting for, for the Democrat. What, what the hell going on down here, Diane? Look, now we can't hear this. I'm going to tell you something. Well, I'll tell look, you. Look, no, 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 look here, Missy. Look here, Missy. Look here, Missy. Them people belong to us, all right? We're not going to have this, okay? I don't like, we, how, how in the world, how in the world we going to put up with this? We can't have no black people. How, bad enough that Trump fella started this whole thing and started getting them, them young black kids, them, them boys, as Joe Biden like to call them, them boys, them, them black boys voting for Donald Trump. Now you're telling me out here in Louisiana, we, we got black people voting for a white boy when we had, when, when we had a black guy running against them. Oh no, we, no, I'm going to tell you something. We, we, we can't have this. We, we're not going to have this, Diana. Now you might be the princess, but, but I'm going to tell you something here. Uh uh-uh, uh uh sister. We ain't gonna long no, no sister, we ain't gonna have this. We're not gonna be letting them people leave and destroy our party. We 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 depend on them to vote for us so that we can keep abusing them. And we're just not gonna have them released. Especially them Republicans. That is exactly right. And the fact that, the, you know, they Carville has been told to sit down and shut up, and he's the only one talking about this really in the mainstream, is, you know, a real danger sign politically for the Democrat Party. And instead of addressing it, they are basically putting their fingers in their ears and going, la, 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 la. And this, I think, is a, you know, harbinger, this vote, although it was low turnout, this vote, he, you know, the, the Republican won 52 percent, which was supposed to be leading to a runoff. He didn't even need the runoff and shocked everyone. No one predicted that. So the not the, only that, not only that, I got news for you, Missy, not only that. But a whole lot of them other Republicans won down there, too, damn it. The boy had coattails. He brought yeah. in a whole lot of them Republicans with him, and now they got the state legislature again. Now they got it just because them black people are starting to rebel down there in Louisiana. Now, you know what happens when black people start to rebel. We Democrats, we don't like that. We're going to put it down. We're going to stop it. We're going to stop it cold. We're not going to have this. I'm telling you right now. Well, you know, their their strategy is to import illegals, and that will, in their mind, in the Democrat left mind, that's the replacement. Now, there you go again. You're talking about that great, that great replacement theory. There you people go again. Look, we've been warning y'all about the, we've been telling y'all about the browning of America for years. We want that. We want to bring in them other brown people to combat them black people. We want the browns to combat the blacks here. That's been our strategy all along. And how dare you start to bring this to the attention of the public? We, we don't like that. Don't yeah. talk like that. We don't want people to know what's going on here. 
Well, the African-American vote has been the percentage of victory for the Democrat Party for generations. And, you know, their theory may have been to have, you know, the as you say, the Browning of America, have the illegal aliens replace them. That has not happened because the the legal vote is still way stronger than the illegal vote, even though Democrats are trying. And so if there is less support and even interest in the Republicans on the part of African-Americans as a whole, that will mean the Democrats will not win an election for another generation. Well, Missy, on that note, we're just going to have to tell you goodbye. I'm going to ask you again, when you come on here, don't be talking about that stuff because now, now you're getting to the heart of the matter, and we don't like that. Okay, we're not going. We're not going to let them people go. You let your people go. My ass. We ain't letting nobody. Uh uh-uh, uh. Not if we have anything to do with it. Them people can't be free. What the hell you mean? You're going to vote for a Republican, Diana? I'm surprised at you. I am not sorry. The people need to know, and this is a liberation moment, and I think it is wonderful news. And now here we go, the white princess talking black liberation here on WABC. Can't believe it. Hallelujah. (laughs) I love you, my darling. Thank you so much, Princess Di. Coming back, ladies and gentlemen, your phone calls here on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Keep it right here. I asked for this one. I was somehow in the mood. Another day in paradise. Phil Collins takes us in on WABC Talk Radio 77. The one, the only princess, Di, Her Majesty. Part of our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Every week. Paying the other half Brit. He's actually Canadian. I don't know where that came from. We had a little haywire thing going on here. We're supposed to be playing another day in paradise. Instead, thank you. Still, I get stuff. By the way, Mark Stein's having another cruise in February. Now that you mention that. Phil Collins brings us back in. That's half Brit Nick at the controls. He had too much tea. Just one cup of today. My fault. Yeah, stuff happened. You know, it's time for let's get back to the phones. We have some time. We don't have to do rapid phones. We actually have some time to speak with people. And let's do that. Rocco has been waiting patiently from Saratoga, New York. Rocco, welcome, my friend. How are you? Absolutely. I wait. All the time. Love Nick's music, bumper music. Great. I love the knowledge you throw our way on all the albums and the songs. Hey, I got to stick with you. I'm here all day for this. Is what makes your show so great. Okay, Bo? That's what makes it. Thank that's you. why we love it. Yeah, that's why we love it. But uh, anyway, yeah, just quick on the music note. 
uh, Thelma Hopkins, her birthday today. The other half of uh, of Dawn was Joyce Wilson. All right, and originally uh-huh. Tony was, yeah, Joyce Wilson. He, Tony was originally going to call the group Dawn, but then he did a little research and found out there were six other touring groups called Dawn. So instead, he said, "Well, I like Dawn, so we'll do Dawn with Tony Orlando, right? To what? differentiate the group." differentiate the group but also hey uh you, you pay, you're playing the man stevie 72 i think was when he broke out really when he started really to break away from motown and do his own thing and from 72 to 76 he had a run there bo what a run i'm telling power. you he had he had he had well see and that's what i was saying earlier if you really wanted to see the change from him as just like a motown stable artist then you got to start with where I'm coming from. That's where, if you haven't listened to that record, I urge you, it sounds a little dated now, some of the instrumentation of it and the recording of it, but he still got great selections on it. Right now, the one song that he did have that was a hit on that record that was kind of his last, I'm in the most Motown stable, it was the one that he did with the woman that would later become his wife, Sarita Wright. He did If You Really Love Me. And, and that was kind of the last of the quote-unquote Motown-sounding hits from Stevie. And then from where I'm coming from, he went to uh, Music of My Mind. Music of My Mind was a musical explosion. No one before had heard Stevie like that. It would introduce the sense. Then came Talking Book. And Talking Book, like you say, Rocco, was the beginning of the run. Talking Book, bunch of Grammy Awards. It's like, whoa, this is great sound and great writing. And great engineering. He went from there to Inner Visions. Inner Visions was a masterpiece. And then went after Inner Visions, okay, to um, songs in the key of life. And that is still blockbuster, iconic album, double album set that just blew it and blew the doors off of everything. After that, it was a few more years um, before his next release, and then after that, he came up with um, Hotter Than July. And Hotter Than July is an amazing album. So that was a great run. You're right, Rocco. Oh, absolutely. That that was the pinnacle of his career. I mean, he did good stuff after. Don't, yeah, I'm not dissing it, but that was he was in the zone for those years. He, he was yep. turning it out most creative, at his most creative. Okay, long live Israel. To all my Jewish friends, long live Israel. Yeah, like my cousin Iron Mike Tyson said, the terrorists have a plan until they get punched in the face. Until they get punched in the face. My, my Uncle Customato taught Mike how to punch guys in the face, okay? And then they go down, and they don't come up. And they go down in the first round. And they don't come Well, let me up. tell you something. They may check out Hamas, Rocco, but the problem still remains. And it is a problem that cannot be addressed by Israel alone, and that is the problem of Iran. And I'm going to keep saying that. Iran is the center of the modern terrorism in the world. Unless Iran is dealt with, we're going to continue to deal with these issues. They're the money man behind everything. They're the ones plotting all this. It's a proxy war. They use Hamas and all these groups to fight against America. We're not stupid. We we know what the hell you're doing, Iran, and we're going to kick your ass. You hear that? Well, 
wait for that day because the political will to actually deal with Iran, I have not seen that yet. Now, Trump took them on from a financial, but even he doesn't want to do military against, go military against Iran. And, and that could be a very bloody conflict and you risk having the other members of the Axis. Look, uh, even Mitch McConnell, the turtle talked about the other day, the new Axis that is forming. The turtle said, you've got an Axis between Russia. I'm, Diana, I know you're out there. Diana, we need to talk about this one day. What, the turtle. And what he said, because this is really true. The turtle said, look, you've got this axis with China, Russia, and Iran. I don't know whether he mentioned North Korea in that too, but I would put North Korea there. And right now the Chinese and the Russians have been working in tandem with Iran to undermine the United States of America. It's got to be dealt with. Rocco, you get the last word, then I'm going to move on. Yeah, hey, the Cowboys stink. <laughs> they still stink. As long as Jerry Jones is there, the Cowboys stink. <laughs> who, 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 who's your favorite team? I love who, the Jets and Giants. I'm all New York. Any New York team, this mm-hmm. Sunday they play. Oh, well, you want to, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Giants won a game, so I guess you're just in, in ecstasy, right? You, The Giants finally won a game. I'm a New York fan. I pull for both teams. This Sunday, I got to go with the Jets. They have the better record. They have Aaron Rodgers coaching up uh, our quarterback, Wilson. And we got Joe Namath, the ghost, living over him saying, hey, we're going to take it. We're going to take it. So the Jets, even though I'm a Giant fan too, got to go with the Jets on this one. Cowboys lose to L.A. Matt Stafford is going to take them down, even though they're playing at the Cowboys, right? The Cowboys. So now here, thank you for the sports report, and I'm not going to say anything. We'll let the results speak for themselves, and boy, if the Jets lose, you're going to hear it next week. Rocco, thank you, my friend. Appreciate you, James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdy. Let's go to Tom in Woodbridge. Tom, don't sell any books. Don't mention any books. Right to your point. And there's his point. He's snoring. He went to sleep. Oh, this is great. Tom, I agree with that. That's one of the things that I agree with that you said, Tom. He's been there for like an hour or two. Yeah. This is one of the best calls we've ever heard from Tom, ever. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue with your calls. WABC Talk Radio 77. <laughs> Never had anybody go to sleep on me before on the radio. That was classic. Oh, this is one of my favorites from the Stevie Wonder album, Talking Book. This is Stevie, You and I. This is a song that was played um, back in the day. So many people used to use this. For their wedding song, Stevie Wonder from Talking Book. On earth together, it's you and I. God has made us fall in love. It's true. I really found someone like you. Saturday morning radio 
extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Actually, you know what? I said You Were the Sunshine of My Life was the first hit off the of talking book. I was wrong. It was this. This was released first. Superstition was released first. And he used to bring the house down in concert when he would do this. Stevie Wonder Superstition from the Talking Book album on WABC, 1972. Uh, this was his 15th studio album released on this day. Let us head back to... The telephones on WABC. Where are we going? Was it Rick? Where are we going? Where are we going? Let's go to Rick in Elmwood. Yes, Rick. How are hey, you? I'm doing good, James. Thanks. How about you? Very well. I have I have an idea about the protesters, um, but first I just wanted to say I have to demand reparations for underprivileged white people because we can't impersonate a southern black person or say the N word. So I want my forty acres and a mule. Yeah, yeah, keep waiting for that, baby, because I'm gonna, I'll give you your reparations after I get mine. And I'm not even going to tell you what I want, okay? But I hear you loud and clear. Now, okay. to your idea. Um, students pinned in in the library. And what they need to do is they need to charge those students with kidnapping, the ones outside, charge them with kidnapping because they're holding those people against their will locked in a building. And that will send a loud message to the rest of the protesters that can't do stuff like that. That is a great. Rick, I'm glad you waited for that. That would be a great idea. Now, it would take a political will to actually do that. But that is exact. I'm telling you, if that is exactly what should happen here. Rick, brilliant. Thank you, my friend. Joe in Brookhaven, you are next on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Bo, good morning, sir. Listen, I thought it appropriate to uh, thank you for uh, giving us a voice about the speaker, MAGA, giving MAGA a voice to get out there because you have to get credit to you. You said a month ago, whenever this started, you said, give it a couple of weeks. Let it sort itself out. Chill out, people. We will get a speaker. And I, I haven't stopped smiling since he got elected because he couldn't have drawn this up any better. <laughs> These Democrats are going nuts. Um, I have they, I've yes. been laughing on social media. They are losing their marbles. This guy is awesome. We went from Tom Emma to this guy. And I don't care if he does anything else. He should ramrod everything through right now. Go after the uh, Biden corruption. Go release the January 6th tape. But, hey, I love he talks about the Bible and the Ten Commandments, that's what, my only thing I grew up with. That's it. I don't know. I'm a simple guy. Ten Commandments, the Constitution, that's it. That's, I don't know much else. I never apologize. We grew up, never apologized for speaking about God. People are fake. Uh, we kneel before no man, the old saying, right? We only kneel before God. Guns don't I kill, love folks. you, Joe. I love you, Joe. Thank you so much. And I love your energy. And, that, and I have not stopped laughing either. And you are absolutely right. If you if you are on social media, they are they are losing their cookies on this. They can't, and they're going back fifteen years to find out everything that he ever said about same sex marriage. 
like that's going to change anything right now. They're like, they, they, they can't believe it. And if you think the liberals here are losing their cookies, if you look at the liberals overseas, like in, in half, in half Britain, Nick's home, half country at the guardian, you would think, yes, he's half Britain, Nick. If you, if they are in, in liberal UK, they cannot believe the man that we have elevated to the speaker's position. And the liberals are having an international cow. It is beautiful to see. Tim in Connecticut. Thank you, Joe. Tim, you're up next. Hello, Tim in Connecticut. Yes, long-term listener, first-time caller. All right. Hello? Yeah. Hello. So I got a question for you. If you've got Republicans working overtime trying to throw Santos out in Long Island, why aren't they going with equal uh, energy after that congressman who pulled the fire alarm and got a sweetheart deal? Well, my friend, you have just asked an age-old question, and here is the answer. Republicans like to eat their own. The weak need among the Republicans. They don't like, if a, re, if a Democrat some, says something bad about a Republican, then there are certain Republicans, oh no, the Democrats are talking about us bad. We gotta, we gotta do something about that Republican. But they never seem to have the onions. They never seem to have the sack to go up against Democrats with the same fervor that they do to go after their fellow Republicans. It is an age old conundrum. And I'm afraid there's no answer to it except for getting rid of the rhinos. It all comes back to that. Craig, thank you for the call, Tim, and thank you for waiting. Craig, in New Jersey, you are up next on Boston early Saturday morning, Radio Extravaganza. Hi, Craig. Hey, Craig. Hey, how you doing, Bo? Good talking to you. I'm good. Listen, Israel, Israel trains for this stuff. I, they just got to let Israel go and handle it. They got cities built in southern Israel that replicate Gaza City. They train for this for years and years, and people have to stop feeling sorry for them. Just let them go. All you got to do is take the chains off of them, and Israel will handle the whole thing. The only thing that mucked this up was the terrorists. Let me tell you something. Craig, you have nailed what is actually happening. If you were with us in our first hour, we reported, and Noam Layden, who does a Brilliant job with the news every week. We so love Noam. Uh, is reporting on the events going overseas. Israel has boots on the ground in Gaza today. Now, as I mentioned several times, the Biden administration is talking out of both sides of their mouth. They go to the U.N. Oh, yeah, we support Israel. Meanwhile, quietly they're saying, hey, guys, hey, guys, don't go into Gaza. Hey, can you can you kind of rethink this? But Israel's not having it. They're like, uh-uh, uh-uh, we're not listening this time. You keep restraining us? No. We're going to take care of this Hamas problem once and for all. And that's what's going on right now. So the quote-unquote chains are off. Jim in Brooklyn, New York. Thank you for waiting. You are up next. Jim in Brooklyn, what is going on? Hey, good morning, Bo. I enjoy your show every week. A couple of things. Thank Number you. one, today's National First Responders Day. Thank you to everyone who goes out of the way to keep everybody safe. Number two, Thursday was Bernie McGurk's birthday. Happy birthday uh, up in heaven, Bernie. And Louisiana strong. My favorite center is Kennedy from Louisiana, who hits it out of the park every time he talks. 
and I'm no leader in, in the house, he's another home run. Thank you. Brief and to the point. And I ditto on everything that you said. Thank you. Elliot calling in from the state of Florida. Elliot, how are Hello. you? Welcome. Oh, mm-hmm. I just want to tell you, I just want to tell you a fantastic, and I just want to tell you real fast, thank you for sticking to phrase wheel, and you're, you're the best. Anyway, I just want to say one thing, Bo, and that's it, because I know you got a lot of callers. There's a new film that's coming out called Police State, policestatefilm.net, and it's a very important film. I hope everybody watches it. It's it's It tells about what's going on with, um, you know. With now, you know who did that stuff. film? You know who's doing that film? And we will... Lisa, we're going to try to, I'll, I'll text him, I'll call. You know who does that film, Police State, you're talking about? That's my friend, Nick Searcy. Nick Searcy, the the film director. And by the way, Nick uh, Searcy sat in for Rush once. He, so he's officially one of the guest hosts. And so we will get the new film, Police State. Thank you for bringing it to, to everyone's attention. And we'll go out and try to get Nick Searcy this week to talk about his new film, Police State. Thank you so much. Frankie in Pennsylvania. How are you, Frankie? How are you, James? Good morning to you. Um, Good you know, morning. I'm a, native, I'm a native New Yorker living in Pennsylvania. I listen to the Rush Hour every day. I try to catch the Saturday show, the extravaganza, when I can. But there's, there's a million things that I could talk about, but I, only have, I know you have limited time. So this is what I'm going to talk about today. There is no such thing as a New York fan when it comes to sports. That is absolutely ridiculous. You're either a Giant fan or a Jet fan, a Knicks fan or a Nets fan, or a Rangers fan or Islanders fan. You can't have it all the way. It's dumb. People who say that do not know sports. And that's all I'm going to say, sir. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Whoa. I can't wait till we get some feedback from that next week. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you, your families, your loved ones, especially in these trying times. Love and gratitude for your being here with me and allowing me to be with you. God willing, on Monday, post Nerdly's Rush Hour, 4 p.m. on WABC. And until then, bye. Bye.